Welcome again to the Preacher's Podcast. Today we are talking about Proper 18A, The Church God Wants is our series. And uh, today we'll be hearing um, about another quality that God himself is looking for in his church. I am John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, your moderator. With us for this series are Pastor Daniel Bondo from Living Savior Lutheran in Littleton, Colorado, and Pastor Jeremy Belter from Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church, the Candelis Campus in Arvada, Colorado. Also with us today is Professor David Bivens from the seminary. Good to be with you all today, and uh, thanks for serving. Uh, Jeremy Belter, Proper 18, the next Sunday in the Church God Wants series. Um, could you talk to us about the main thought you want to bring across to worshipers this Sunday? Yeah, definitely. Um, if, if you keep in mind what happened last Sunday, real quick, um, Matthew 16, um, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. We really focused a lot that Sunday on the value that we place on our own soul and the value that God has placed on our soul, right? So that Christ picks up the cross, dies for our sins, and then the value that we place on our own soul, denying self, picking up the cross and following him. So this Sunday's reading from um, that we're going to focus on Galatians 2 and the emphasis this Sunday focuses our attention on the value that we as Christians, as individual Christians and as corporate bodies of Christians place on another Christian soul. When we see a brother or sister in the faith who has wandered away, who has sinned and is living in that sin, it's our, it's our hard duty, but also our privileged duty because we love the souls of all brothers and sisters in the faith, especially those um, who have fallen into sin, who are, whose lives are not in line with the gospel. We do the important, hard, privileged work of sharing law and gospel as, as the church of God. And, and doing that, as we'll see on you here in Matthew 18, in a very, um, in, in that way that Jesus laid out. But in Galatians 2, really the focus as we preach this Sunday is the value that we place on someone else's soul to do the really hard work, to say the hard thing that needs to be said, because we want that law and gospel that God has given us to do its work, to bring that person back uh, to faith and repentance. Yeah, thanks for that summary. A church that is willing to say those hard things out of love for the fellow soul. Um, Daniel Bondo, we are going to be focusing, as Jeremy mentioned, on the uh, second reading from Galatians today as our sermon text. Before we get into that, could you remind us of the gospel of the day and the first reading um, and just make sure we're oriented uh, in terms of those other readings of the day? Sure. In both of these, we're going to see uh, examples of people in the ministry of the Word of God who recognize what's at stake when people are out of line and uh, all, also hear the call and the command from God to take up action in the responsibility of speaking to others out of love for them. So Matthew 18, we know well, is this great uh, call to the church to practice church discipline. And Jesus teaches us to do it, seeking in a winsome way um, to win over a brother or sister who's fallen into sin. And that winsome aspect of it is a is beautifully addressed, uh, not because Jesus presents to us like a legalistic three-step method that we are to do, but Jesus is demonstrating great lengths that Christ's love, you know, compels us to go with our brothers and sisters who have strayed. 
So it's easy to recognize what a special family and community God has called us to be, and it's a duty as God would have us and wants, as God wants, is characterized as using the word to win back our brothers and sisters. Ezekiel 33, after speaking about uh, various nations, uh, God returns to his prophet Ezekiel, just like we had Jeremiah last week, God making him a wall to the people. Now we have Ezekiel as the watchman. The first opening verses are not a part of the text, but they present the illustration of a watchman on the wall and his responsibility to uh, warn the people of impending danger and the, the guilt that is on him if he fails to warn them. So God then speaks to Ezekiel with that metaphor, with that watchman idea, uh, speaking to him about this careful observing of danger to the soul that he does as a true, um, for the sake of true safety among the people. Ezekiel is to be faithful and consistent as a word minister to these exiles. And you have it almost both in terms of law and gospel presented in this uh, Ezekiel reading to warn the wicked person of his ways, but also when someone fails to appreciate the length and breadth of the gospel um, in their despair, some would say, how then can we live? We've got this problem of sin. And Ezekiel's also to highlight God's desire that no one perish. Those beautiful, emphatic words. Um, why Why would you die is a better question. Why die? Turn, turn to me and live. This is my true desire. Both aspects are bringing people into a true alignment with the word of God for the sake of the soul. Yeah, thank you for that summary. Um... Yeah, both uh, both other readings really uh, sharing that common theme, but just a little bit different emphasis in each one. Um, well, let's go then to our second reading, the sermon text, Galatians 2, 11 through 16. Uh, Dave Bivens, at this point, I'll turn things over to you uh, just to highlight some things for preachers that might be useful as they wrestle with this text. Yes, thank you. Uh, great to be talking about this this text. It really is a, an intriguing uh, text, a fascinating one. Um, obviously, you have this, this conflict that is highlighted between uh, two of the men that we talk about so much in our preaching, Peter and, and Paul. And so it's kind of jarring when you realize that they were at odds, at least for uh, the moment, and really fits well with the Sunday's theme of of one being willing to have the hard conversation with with another. Um, what I like about this, the way the, the text has been chosen, is that you have the, the real live situation that's being described between Peter um, and, and Paul, and then you have the rationale about why that conversation was so important as Paul goes on to explain uh, what really was at stake in everything, which is a, um, not obscuring or, or uh, What's the word? Limiting the power of the gospel in any way, but allowing us to to return to what it is that that our confidence is in, um, which is the work of Christ and the gospel message in all its purity. Uh, so Galatians is our, our the book, and and the big question that we always have to wrestle with is how much of the background information do we do we work through in preparing a sermon? And uh, Galatians, you you know, is one of the earlier letters written by Paul. Um, Paul goes out of his way to to defend his apostleship, make sure that uh, people are uh, 
knowing that he has a, a call from the Lord in a very special way, um, he's defending himself to make sure that others are uh, are recognizing he has the same status uh, as as the other apostles, uh, even though his call came on the road to Damascus. Um, and he's going through a pretty extensive timeline history of things that uh, people would have been familiar with. And, and it's here where we run into some challenges trying to put the exact chronology of Galatians uh, together with the book of Acts. And there are a couple different ways that people try to do it. Um, I think maybe I can mention one of them, um, which would be, when did this account happen uh, between Peter and Paul? When did Paul go up to Antioch to uh, to address the situation with Peter? Um, one thought is that this, this actually happens before the big council of Acts chapter 15. Um, and so uh, the thought there would be that um, Paul went on his first missionary journey and he came back um, and was uh, in the process of, of writing the letters to the Galatians uh, at that time, uh, hearing about some of the things that were already going on in the, the recent area that he had visited. And now he's writing the letter. And, and even as he's writing the letter, he knows that there was an situation in, in there in, in Antioch with Peter. And that's why it's fresh on his mind. And he's talking about it in the letter. And this would all then happen before um, the Jerusalem Council of Acts 15. Others would put this after Acts chapter 15. And I guess my personal uh, view would be maybe you don't need to go into all those possibilities in a sermon, but maybe mine the depths of scripture for yourself and think them through. Uh, a neat resource might be um, Andrew Das's commentary. It's part of that Concordia commentary series. Uh, that he wrote on, on Galatians. And I think he does a fair job of uh, laying out different possible chronologies of the, the situation. Um, so with that being said, what do I think are some issues that are in the background? I think it's so hard for us to put ourselves in the first century and that cultural matrix going on between the, the shift of, of the Jewish way of life um, and uh, understanding that some had about the importance of the ceremonial laws to the, the freedom that's found in Christ. And obviously those two things are uh, coming up over and over again throughout the New Testament, uh, excuse me, throughout the, yeah, the New Testament, the first century, maybe hard for us to, to really put ourselves in those situations. Um, but what do we have here? We have the reality that there are other things that people were putting their confidence in with the hope that that's what would make them right with God. And Paul, the great apostle, uh, has no time for that and is willing to uh, take on even Peter if he is concerned that Peter's actions are giving the impression that our confidence should be in something other than uh, the law-free gospel of Christ. Um, and so just looking at the specific text, um, it, it's interesting. We'll, we'll just look at a couple of phrases that uh, Paul uses when he's describing the situation. He talks about uh, the, the situation in Antioch. Why did he go there and why did he oppose, fall, oppose Peter? Um, well, he said that Peter stood condemned. Kind of an interesting Greek phrase there, uh, a paraphrastic phrase. We got the imperfect form of Amy um, with a perfect passive participle. Um, kind of a forceful phrase saying it was obvious he Paul had to say something because 
Uh, Peter was in a state where where anyone looking at it from a gospel perspective would know that what he was doing uh, was not conveying the truth of the gospel. And then you move on and you, you, you kind of get the description of what's going on. He, he, he talks about how um, Peter customarily uses these imperfect verbs. Peter was customarily eating uh, with the Gentiles, no problems at all. And then all of a sudden, when the arrival of these these men from a, a faction from, from Jerusalem arrived, um, Peter suddenly changed his actions, uh, changed his behavior. And that was really the, the unspoken message that was given to the, the new Gentiles to the faith is that their, their way of life was no longer sufficient, that they had to do something differently. They had to revert potentially back to, to Jewish customs. Um, so you see those things going on. You see Paul not hesitate to use the word hypocrisy, both in a noun form and in a verb form um, in, in verse 13 of our text. Um, you also have kind of a, a neat image that is uh, brought out in the verb uh, to walk straight in line with the truth of the gospel. You see that in, in uh, verse uh, 14 as well. Um, when you have the gospel message, everything we want to do we want to tailor around walking in conformity with that message. Um, and so that's kind of a neat word to hang on to for, for potential applications. Um, and then I'll simply say, when you look at the, the content of verses 15 and 16, Paul then explains that what was at stake in all of this um, was what is it that justifies us? It's not uh, observing any law, but it is living by faith in Christ Jesus. And it's something that we ought to know by now. Um, that's the kind of the word he uses. But we um, we know this, he says, that a man is not justified by observing the law. But how often do the things that our head knows uh, not line up with the things that our, our actions convey? And so for the times when those happen in our own lives, may someone be willing to have the hard conversation with us and, and correct us. So... I'll just kind of leave it at there for now, and we can we can circle back to some of those thoughts if you if you'd like. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dave. Um, so one of the things a preacher will need to consider uh, with this text is, um, as I look at it, you've got the narrative of uh, Paul confronting Peter, and really kind of the the lectionary is nudging us to kind of consider that um, as sort of what we preach on this Sunday with the context of Matthew 18, Ezekiel 33. And then you've got the uh, the latter verses, you know, 15 and 16 of Galatians 2, where Paul spells out, here's why this confrontation is so important. It's because the truth of the, the gospel is at stake. Uh, and that means that people's souls are at stake. Um, so, you know, I, I just say this because, you know, a preacher can look at this and say, what's this text about? Oh, it's about justification by faith. So here's a sermon on justification by faith. Well, uh, of course it is. V verses 15 and 16 are that, and the whole, the account in a sense is about that. Uh, Galatians, you know, as a whole, uh, that's one of the main themes. Um, but I would urge preachers to think in terms of the lectionary for the Sunday and, and kind of think about preaching um, the necessity uh, of confronting a, an erring brother in love um, as kind of the main theme. And then, of course, you will unpack those verses about justification by faith and not works uh, to show 
why in this case uh, this is so important. So that's kind of just my reflection of, of kind of a meta reflection on looking at the text and where to go with it. Um, <clears throat> any thoughts to that to that point, Daniel? I think that's really helpful, and it also underscores what drives each of these readings. What drives all of them is the heart of the gospel. When we're in this series, the church God wants every single week has been sort of dealing with attacks on that chief article of our faith. So yeah, it's there in every single week. You could, you could argue that justification is at the heart of the reading and that the church that God wants not only recognizes that, but here takes up a particular action attitude and an action um, on the basis of that. What, what God's church is compelled to do is we hold to that precious uh, gift from God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, Dave? Yeah, to, I, I agree with everything I'm hearing. And it's, it's as I mentioned before, and I think you're saying too, it seems like kind of a jarring text because why why focus on a time when there was a disagreement? Um, but I think we have it recorded for us uh, because of what was at stake and, and what the truth of the gospel ultimately means to us is that we want to defend it and bring it uh, back to its, uh, uh, its it, or have it preserved in its truth and purity at all costs. I think of um, <laughs> the conversation about two men having an argument, and uh, sometimes we are willing to have hard words with one another, but for all the wrong reasons. It's for sinful pride. We we take on each other to 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 put ourselves up or to to make ourselves feel better or to justify the team that we root for or whatever else. Um, Paul is only willing to have hard words with Peter when he's fearful that the gospel message is is being lost. Mm -hmm. um, and so someone willing to have a hard conversation, but for the right reasons, is such a key point. Thank you. Right. Jeremy? And, and I'll just I'll add to that. The, the surprising nature of this text is also the fact of who it is that Paul is confronting. Right. I mean, this is... Right. You know, Peter, you think, oh, the you know, leader of the, the, the early church and so on. And, and yet um, the it shouldn't surprise us that Peter sins. I mean, Peter's got a history of sinning. He's denied Christ before. He's doing it again. But I think as, as preachers, then it, it, it shows us that, you know, when someone is brought into the, the, the fold of the, the, the Christian church, it doesn't mean, oh, good, our work is done. We can move on to someone else who's lost. Even the sheep right. that are within the sheep pen of the shepherd, they can go wandering away. And and so don't be surprised. I think it was Professor Brenner. We were chatting in a circuit meeting a while back. Professor Brenner had said one time, if we tell if we preach people that they are sinners, we shouldn't be surprised then when they go and sin. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we should expect that this is going to be part of the church's work as preachers, as individual Christians. We are this is going to be an expected thing. So if this is the church that God wants, we should expect that, yeah, there are going to be times, maybe even from people, wow, I didn't expect, but we shouldn't be shocked that, whoa, I didn't think that person, like, should be shocked at the fact that God gives us the opportunity to step in and actually do something about it. Yeah, that's good. Great perspective. Um, this is the, yeah, kind of the shocking, shocking privilege that God gives us as fellow sinners to, to go to our brothers and sisters and and say these hard things uh, out of love uh, for them and 
God reaching out in love through us. And we've maybe been on the receiving end of this too, where others have had hard words with us and we've needed that. And we can reflect on that as well. Um, so uh, here's what I'm, I'm thinking. Uh, I'm kind of thinking through my text analysis steps, um, kind of backwards. If, if our application here uh, for this sermon is to encourage people uh, to, in love, um, step out of their comfort zone and talk to a brother or sister who is an error in some way or caught in a sin, um, then uh, kind of what would be the malady of the sermon? Sometimes we speak of the application and, and the malady is the flip side of that. Uh, would it be, um, as we're considering the main thrust of this text, um, you know, failing uh, to have that hard conversation, even though there's a lot at stake? Or maybe as Dave was suggesting, uh, you know, we're sometimes very willing to to say things that rub people the wrong way, but not for a very healthy reason, <laughs> just because, you know, uh, we're being contentious. Uh, how would you approach that? Uh, any ideas, Jeremy? Yeah, I... Um... I think one way you can definitely approach it is just to think through it like, as Paul did. Well, first of all, to ig ignore the sin and refuse to confront it really shows a lack of love for that person's soul. Um, that that you love that person, and I love that person enough to say something. And so when you when you don't do it, you are leaving that person. And this is you know what we believe: you're leaving that person in sin. But I think what's also added to it in this instance is. Um, in, in verse 13, it says the other Jews joined in his hypocrisy so that by his hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. This sin is not an isolated thing that just kind of happens mm. and it's there and, and then it whatever. It has an effect on people. And, and so you see it here very vividly that Peter's sin was leading other people astray. And so there is one of the when we fail to go and, and confront sin. In, in, in someone's life, we are leaving the door open for that sin to then filter into other people. We can, it can have an astronomical, devastating, mm. eternal effect with, within families, within congregations. And so it's not just like, leave it, it'll go away. You're going to have, it, it can have a broader impact. And, and so the you know, con confronting that, sorry, not confronting that really just shows you know, a lack of love for that individual person. And also the, the congregation at large, but also a lack of love for for God's word and the seriousness that sin really has in a, in a soul, in an individual soul, and and within a group of people. Yeah, thank you for those thoughts, uh, Daniel. I think to add to that, as you address with people, you know, why does this matter? Why does this conversation matter so much? You're obviously able to um, see the what's at stake trend we've been talking about all along, but you are also dealing with an attitude that people have towards this treasure and can talk to people about because they have fears inside of them about these um these kinds of conversations. It's there in the theme for the day. We call it a hard truth. So it recognizes the offensive nature um, of the word of God, I guess you could say, when we're going to, we're going to talk about sinfulness. Um, I don't want somebody to come and talk to me about my sinfulness. And this is a hard truth because I don't like talking about somebody's sinfulness. And somehow you have to work your way through the attitude we have 
towards the, the truths of God's word. That's a complete sham going on in my heart. If I'm thinking that I'm so good that set that sin, suddenly talking about sin in my life is this like touchy, sensitive topic, then I have no idea what I've been confessing every Sunday in church about myself and what I need people to do holding me accountable. And then vice versa for a speaker mm-hmm. to, to address the attitude of a speaker. It looks like this is me, you know, tooting my own horn by bringing you down or making myself feel better by pointing out your faults, you know, the whole, you know, plank and speck, you know, in your brother's eye versus the, you know, how you would treat, how you treat and this as an attitude, uh, encouraging people in that willingness for God's sake, for the sake of a soul happens on both sides. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Dave. Yeah, just just following up on that, I um, you, I like what you're saying about the the attitude that we have towards the things that that truly matter. Um, I think one way to kind of reveal uh, blind spots in our own heart, to maybe leading to a malady, would be just just to have people wrestle with what is it that really gets you riled up. Um, what gets you riled up in your own church family is do you get riled up? Uh, when someone is sitting in your spot, you know, your pew, your chair, you get riled up if, uh, if the donuts uh, on Sunday morning are no good, you get riled up if, uh, you know, if, if someone looks at you the wrong way. And those are the things that you're willing to have the hard conversation for. Uh, you're willing to go toe to toe for for things like that. Or, or do you get riled up when you see that the gospel message is being adulterated, is being changed, is being uh, covered up. Um, and, and I think, unfortunately, sometimes we have a false piety where we think we're willing to, to, to have the hard battle, the hard conversation for something that ultimately isn't as nearly as important as, as the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so wrestling with, I'm willing to, to stay calm for a lot of things, but I want to get riled up for the right thing. Yeah. That's a neat way, neat way to approach it. Thank you. Jeremy. Maybe another malady you can look at too is I, I probably I've said several times we're talking about you know love for that person's soul. We think about the loves and they're just in the wrong priority. And I think of times that you know somebody you know somebody in a congregation has approached me about this person, and I think to myself, oh man, what's the fallout going to be? Or is my relationship with that person going to be you know gone or broken now? And I think of do do I love that? Do I desire to have that that person's affection or have that person's attention or am I afraid of the fallout more than I actually love where that person will be for eternity and also more than I love what God has to say in his word. Um, Paul didn't, from any indication here in this text, he doesn't seem to care about the fallout that could possibly happen because he has trust in God's word. So he has trust in what God says that that Peter is not in line with the gospel and so he's going to bring God's word to bear. And he's going to put Peter, you hope that word that pushes Peter back in line with the gospel and brings him to repentance. Um, so I, I think maybe that's another malady is putting more love and attention and, or maybe fear of the fallout or what might happen or it, instead of where it needs to be, which is God's word is, is, is tantamount, is paramount. And so we have to honor it even at the expense of others and, and what might fall, what might come as a result of it. Yeah. So kind of a, 
we've been talking about kind of second table of the law maladies, lack of love for the soul. Uh, but there, Jeremy, you brought up, yeah, the first table of the law too. Is it lack of trust? Uh, if if I say this hard thing that God wants me to say, what's going to happen? So can I really count on God to use his word the way he wishes? Uh, Daniel? Another aspect of this is probably not as prominent as the, you know, directly dealing with the malady of unwillingness to say hard things, but it's there in the word hypocrisy that Paul uses. And I think it brings out a malady for us by demonstrating that the duty of the church isn't something that's just going to be like once in a while, but this is a mainstay thing because of hypocrisy that just occurs. And there's a good distinction that we can do to teach people what this hypocrisy is, because there's a hypocrisy of a con artist, right? Where where ex, it's more like an external hypocrisy. Internally, the con artist knows he's conning you, but you're the one deceived, right? Mm. But this this is a self-deceived that happens. Think of um think of the Bible study series or other things I've heard of of like the lies that we live by. You have a lie that we often live with in our heart. We have that expression of the gospel as a rare guest, you know, and even in a Christian heart. Why is that? There's so many lies. Here Peter is stuck with this you know, half truth, half lie, which really isn't truth anymore, right? It's, you've got this lie blended in, and it's a big problem. That's hypocrisy, that's self-deceived. And as long as we have such hearts that are open to toying with truth in Christianity or with gospels or blending in Satan's soft-pedaled lies, you're going to have a ministry that's going to need to be there for you and for me, a willingness on my part to be to be um, open to criticism, the healthy Christian criticism, and a willingness on the part of someone else to correct, rebuke, um, and encourage me. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that additional perspective. Um, let's get to the gospel, too. The gospel from this text, we've we've hit on uh, the malady um, and from several different angles, uh, but let's talk about the gospel cure. Um how would you express that uh, in terms of the text? I mean, we have some beautiful justified by faith verses, but um, how would you address that uh, sin problem we've identified of not saying the hard thing for all the reasons that we've cited? How do you address that with the gospel? Uh, ideas there, uh, Dave? Yeah, I, I think I think you can... You can see some real beauty in just that 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 participle that's found in as at verse 15 or 16 the edotis uh we know something because we know uh so paul's saying we who are jews by birth and not and then he's kind of saying it in a you know gentile sinners as if that's the the phrase that was was popular at the time um we know that a man is justified there's a gospel message in that that our savior god has seen to it in his word that we would know better, um, that, that he would present the message of, of the gospel to us. Um, what a treasure we have that, 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 that he's corrected us through his word. Uh, you, you see the, the, the loving God and, and his saving heart behind all those actions. This is the same Paul who in Romans says he's not ashamed of that gospel. Um, because what has it done? It's, uh, it's changed how he sees everything. 
Um, and so I think a gospel message to our congregation is uh, we what a blessing to say that we do know better, that we've been informed, we have been uh, um, shown what the, the truth of the gospel is. It's better than anything we could have ever imagined. And now we can say that's that's it's not just head knowledge, but it's heart knowledge too, entrusted to us. Thanks for that, Jeremy. And then to add to that, um, you know, there are our God-given identity is in Christ. Right? In you know, in, in, at the end of verse sixteen, we we have put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by observing the law. That's who we are. The we have we have put our our, our lives are in in lockstep with Jesus. I mean, we are, we are all about Jesus and, and our love for him and our love for his word, um, that trumps everything. I mean, think about everything that he has given to us, the great love that Jesus put on our soul, right? The whole world goes astray. And what does Jesus do? He goes after it. And, and what does he do? He, can, he brought people to us in our lives who have come to us with the hard, hard words of law and then the comforting words of, of the gospel. We, you know, give Give thanks to God for Christian parents that have said the hard things to us that needed to be said. And, and through the power of that word, we were brought back. We were brought to repentance and faith. And here we are today. And that gospel keeps needs to keep getting thrown into our own hearts. Coming back to the cross, who am I in Jesus? I am a Christian above everything else. And, and now this beautiful privilege that I get to be able to go and share that same word of God that's been shared to me so many times that has brought me comfort, that has kept me in line with the gospel. I get to take that um, and, and give it to somebody so that the spirit can do his, the same work in someone else's heart. Right. Yeah, I appreciate that thought that uh, Jesus shows his love for us in coming after us, um, not, not letting us wander away, um, but coming after us. Yeah, a little bit similar to the uh, the lost sheep uh, parable, uh, kind of reminiscent of that. Um but yeah, the beautiful gospel that lies behind our salvation. Yeah, Jeremy. And, and you can even, if you want at a point like that, you know, bring in Matthew 18. It's, it, I don't think it's, you know, it, it's significant. I think that right before Matthew 18, 15 to 20, you have Jesus' parable of the lost sheep. And, and what does the shepherd do? He goes after the one and then he shows us a very, okay, this is how mm -hmm. you're going to do it mm -hmm. in Matthew 18, 15 to 20. And and now we get a real life example in Galatians chapter two. So I think there's a kind of a, a neat way to marry, you know, Galatians two and Matthew 18 and what Jesus is trying to get across. And now, you know, Peter had been hearing that he heard that in Matthew 18 and now he's mm -hmm. living, he's on the receiving end right, of it, you know, in right. Galatians chapter two, but really a neat, I think, you know, all, all that whole sec, both those sections just kind of, you know, you, you can bring them together in this, in this text to see how, what Jesus has done for us and now what we do for others. Yeah. Thanks for that. I, sharing that idea. Uh, that's right. Good connection right before this uh, section of Matthew 18 that we're looking at today, that context of, of the love that comes after the sinner. Daniel? And of course, it's the very heartbeat of the gospel and the nature of mm -hmm. the gospel that drives all of this. If there were anything of like, you know, once, but once you do that sin, or if you if you take it and then you you run away, Peter, there's no chance for the wandering sheep to be brought back. Um, but because of Christ, because it's 100% by the grace of God in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, there is such a word that says turn. 
there is such a word that says turn and live you know this great appeal that we have is driven by the truth of the gospel to be disconnected um from our you know contribution to it so you have the full weight of this law you haven't done this you we are not perfect at calling each other to account in the in the alignment of the word of god and yet what is here today is exactly what paul says to someone who hasn't you know stayed in line with the word of god is we are justified in the name of Jesus, and there is a way forward because of it. And that's a beautiful thing to express that nature of the gospel. Right, right. Dave? Yeah, just, just one last comment, on, maybe on, on the gospel part. I, I think that we're phrasing everything for this Sunday in terms of willingness to have the hard conversation. And I think it's just kind of a, a comforting thought to know that we have a God willing, who's willing to have the hard conversation with us. Um, and that does, that means not just convicting us with the law, but but freely giving us forgiveness and freely giving us the gospel. You think in terms of the the ebb and flow or the uh, sacramental sacrificial flows of of the worship service. Um, generally speaking, the sermon would be after the difficult conversation of our confession of sins uh, and then the wonderful words of absolution. Um, and, and you kind of frame it that way that. This is what drives us is that uh, we have a God who, who, who is willing to con convict us with his perfect law, uh, but then willing to graciously in Christ grant us forgiveness of sins. Uh, we want to then have that carry over in everything we do in our conversations with others so that that truth might not be uh, obscured in their lives. And so we're willing to have the hard conversation as well. Thanks for all those thoughts. A lot, lot for preachers to think about. Um, how about uh, theme ideas as you kind of bring a lot of these thoughts together? Um, uh, suggestions for preachers or ideas that you are working with that you could share? Daniel? Perhaps if I could offer one, maybe like an overarching idea. It's not necessarily textual, but it might be helpful when people have like a, a secret family recipe, you know, and they're holding on to this great thing from generations or whatever, of this is the way we make it and it stays this secret. I mean, our, the treasure of the gospel is sort of like that. And what would happen to us as a church if we just lost it? And so to get this overarching thrust of why why this matters, why this means so much is there's one unique kind of message in this world. There's only one way to taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's in the gospel message and sort of this invitation um, of people to be drawn in by that in the way that they, I don't know, one part, two part, you know, deal, uh, paying attention to what departs from the word of God and the willingness to step in and deal with it. Um, not just paying attention to it, but acting, acting in line with how valuable and precious this is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, what you just said reminds me of how we were discussing, you know, here are the stakes uh, for having these conversations um, in, very much in line with that. Other ideas uh, to share. Uh, Dave? Yeah, I, I, I guess I kind of thought of that phrase that maybe you, you might hear a parent say to a child when they have done something wrong um, you, you might hear them say something like you know better than that 
Um, and, and you kind of see that in this text, but in, in both the negative and positive sense, you, you know better than that um, is a phrase that convicts when, when we aren't willing to have the hard conversation or when we are undermining the gospel message. Um, but Paul would also say, you know better than that is a phrase that confirms the, the truth that we've been given. Um, and so I could see a, a sermon saying, uh, you know better than that, um, first directed towards uh, our relationship to God. It's a truth that convicts us uh, and it's a truth that confirms us. And then uh, the same phrase in our relationship towards others, um, we know better than to let certain things go unchecked. Um, and, and we know that we want to confirm others in the in the truth of the gospel, too. So. Uh, that's all kind of being based off of that that, that same participle I was talking about um, when Paul says we we know what the truth of the gospel is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that idates in in verse sixteen. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeremy, another idea. Um, yeah, maybe it, maybe it's kind of similar, but I'll I'll just throw it out there. Um, maybe an idea of you know, the gospel is worth fighting for, and because you, you, you have the the truth of the gospel, we've kind of been using it in our conversation in a very in a in a broad sense and in a very narrow sense, um, you know, that the broad, you know, the, the narrow sense that the, the gospel is worth fighting for because it's, it's only the gospel that saves people. Right. I mean, as, as an individual, right. the only way Peter, you know, he stood condemned and because of his hypocrisy and because of what he was doing, he was in a state of condemnation. And so the, you know, the, the gospel is worth fighting for because that's the only way Peter was going to be saved. And, and Paul needed to, to call him into repentance. So that personal, ministry that applying law and gospel, but it's also the gospel is worth fighting for as, as a corporate group, um, that the truth of the gospel and, and our, our love for, and I, I say in a broad sense, our love for the word of God in, in all of its many facets is, is so vital, um, that we, we don't ever want to lose it. We don't want to compromise on a teaching. We don't want to compromise on a sin for, for, for this reason or that reason, for this fear, or that fear, our love for the gospel itself, for the word of God is so great that as, as Christian congregations, we stand on all of the truth of God's word. And when someone's out of line with, out of line with that, we, we call that person to repentance. So kind of a, you know, if you wanted to do a one part, you know, a two part sermon there, you could, you could think of the first part maybe is that individual nature of how important essential the gospel is for that particular person, but also how important the gospel, the word of God in its entirety is for us as a congregation and, and as, as a, as a church of God. Okay. Yeah, that's another neat angle. Uh, Daniel. Uh, along the lines, I don't know if we've used the phrase brother's keeper, you know, yet. I know mm-hmm. I, th- I, th- I think it's it might be there in the series, but to have the sense of like a, a gospel lover is a brother's keeper, you know, to like put the two together, you know, as a as a combination to understand this core thing at our is also someone who does this because they are they are they're like links of a chain they're completely uh, connected to each other the one to the other the doctrine and the practice yeah to love the gospel is to uh be willing to say the hard thing for the sake of the gospel and the person who needs that gospel right uh good uh, concluding thoughts um before we wrap up here any uh further uh things you might be helpful for preachers jeremy 
Um, just jumping back and thinking about the, the commentary, if, if um, brothers are looking at the commentary that's come out for this, one, one thing to keep in mind for this particular Sunday, as opposed to the following Sunday, is the focus in this Sunday is really to um, not so much on the results. Like, okay, because I, we assume, I guess, and, and maybe somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, we assume Peter repented and was brought back in line with the gospel because he wrote a letter later on, or wrote two letters later on about the hope, the living hope that he has in Christ Jesus. But the, the focus this Sunday is really not on the, on the forgiveness or the result and that, and so on. That's coming next Sunday, quick to right, forgive. We're right. going to, you're going to hear that. So really, so to, so you don't one so you don't repeat yourself two Sundays in a row, focus more on the, the value of the word of God and, and proclaiming it, the privilege that we have proclaiming it law and gospel this Sunday. And it's less about the result. Next Sunday is going to be more about, the, the results, the forgiveness, and then how we enact that forgiveness. So just some, something to kind of keep in mind as yeah. you're preaching and um, don't get too caught up in and this. I don't, I don't want to sound is this um, heretical here. Don't get too caught up in the results <laughs> here. Um, the, don't talk, don't talk about forgiveness yeah. too much. Uh, right. Yeah. No, I'm, no yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm kidding, but no, that that's an awesome reminder because um, uh, yeah, Look ahead till next Sunday. We we're going to talk about the, the the part of the Joseph account, and then what comes next in Matthew eighteen, and and forgiving one another. Uh, but that's a, a a good reminder. Here we're talking about the the action in love to reach out uh, to the one who needs it for the sake of their soul, for the sake of the gospel. Um, and then yeah, we'll talk more about the fruits of that, the results next Sunday. Daniel, and I think if you're making the point to a congregation about how not just important it is, but how this must be a regular characteristic of the church of God is willing to say the hard things. Sure. You're looking around at brothers and sisters and seeing that this kind of conversation can happen a lot privately and if necessary, you know, more, more publicly. Um, mm -hmm. But that, that gives you the chance to talk to people about their attitude and their response. If you love the gospel, you want to be kept by the gospel. You want to be open. You don't want to like put walls up and get in somebody's way um, of ministering to you this way. So there's one, there's an application about how you receive this important ministry of being opened up to this. Mm -hmm. um, and also, and then also how you take up the, you know, the mantle, so to speak, and the, the duty and the responsibility for yourself with, with the importance, the love in your heart to take that up. And recognizing, maybe taking us a moment to recognize the way that this does happen. Sure, it happens informally in many ways, but there are also people who who care about you with specific, you know, conversations about the members, the elders in the congregation, and and mm -hmm. who they are and what what they are doing, how they serve. Um, I think to highlight that and to express that why why this matters, why this church attendance comes thing comes up, and why if we why we say we miss mm -hmm. you, and right. you've got a lot of great practical things of what kind of community uh, regularly probably that we will need to be for each other, and to do this in the I, I guess the most well rounded way, driven by what we're hearing in these readings today. Yeah, yeah, and even uh, if you can't fit it all in the sermon, maybe as an extension, uh, maybe, yeah, ten, print out the elders' names and their contact info, you know, uh, somewhere, get that in front of people once again, or just, yeah, a little blurb to say, hey, yeah, this is how we work together as a community of believers, as as a body of Christ, because we love each other and we love the gospel. Um, 
Great thoughts. Dave? Yeah, just maybe the, I don't know about the, the verb or the loose and got a lot of attention today. I, I maybe mentioned at the very beginning, um, but when Paul says in verse 13, 14, excuse me, but when I saw that uh, they were not walking in line with the truth of the gospel, All right. um, it, it really identifies the, there's the head knowledge, there's the confession of faith, but then there's also the actions that don't always correspond. And um, I, I do think that's a, if you were to, to interview Peter about how is it that you were saved, Peter, I think that he knew the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. I think that our people know the truth of the gospel, but how often do our actions sometimes betray that? And that's really problematic when it comes to mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the the witness that we give to those who are around us. And so I think this is a neat uh, Sunday to give us an opportunity to have those hard conversations with uh, people's actions not lining up, not walking in line with uh, the gospel that that they know in their head. So getting the, the head knowledge and the heart knowledge uh, to kind of walk in sync with one another is, right. is another way of looking at this Sunday. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for that additional thought, that very good point. All right, well, we should wrap up for today, but preachers, you've got a lot to think about, um, and may God fill your heart with uh, his love for you, first of all, but then also a desire to share that love and encourage others to do the same as we're a church that's willing to say hard things.